You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. What up? Welcome in to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and we are so back. Since our last episode, our mini sabbatical, the New York Yankees have lost one game. That seems to be the amount of games they lose in every big, chunky stretch, which, when you add it all up, it's pretty good. You can lose a game once in a while. Lost last night against the Twins. Their record is now 40-16. and 16. You look at that and you go, whoa. Uh, and you start to get so spoiled. I still remember when they were 29 and 13 and blew a lead late against the Orioles and we're looking to dip to 29 and 14. And we were kind of doing the skies falling thing as if 29 and 14 wasn't also really good. And lo and behold, since then, three total losses, two to the Rays over the one weekend, one to the Twins last night, eight one loss, but blowout. Loss every once in a while feels good. You'd rather lose more blowout losses than tight ones. Your entire bullpen and elated in garbage fest. This team is not without drama, though. Despite the continued victories in the first of 40, Miguel Andujar got demoted this past weekend and wants out. He reported to AAA Scranton yesterday. It took him several days to get that done. We're going to talk about what that means and whether his next at-bat will indeed come with the New York Yankees. Also, one reliever who you probably didn't expect to hear from is apparently on the comeback trail for later this summer. Do we believe in it? How much can we trust him? I think the answer to that second question is pretty obvious, but we're still going to be talking you through it. And I know we're having a lot of fun, but unfortunately, the Boston Red Sox are going to win the 2022 World Series. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense. I know they're the sixth seed in the AL playoff picture right now. I know they just won two games against the absolutely drowning Angels, one nothing which is apparently enough to declare the Red Sox back. But regrettably, I have to inform you, they're not only back, they're going to win the World Series, and there's really no point in playing out the whole postseason. Although, again, we've had our fun. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag cues. We would be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Thomas Carinante, welcome on into the podcast. This is definitely, you know, the schedule is about to get harder. 
We're going to talk about that. We've been forecasting dips and lulls for like a month and a half just because it doesn't get better than this. And so we keep saying, you know, it will get worse. But for now, yeah, pretty great. And outside of that little three-game stretch uh, that started, you know, with that one loss to the O's to start off that series, hasn't really been that tough to handle. I mean, Yankee fans have been unreasonably so so far this year to the point, you, you know how I know we're good and you know how I know we're at that point where we're getting spoiled. People are pulling out things like, the Joey Gallo trade package and trying to throw that back in our faces. Love like, oh, Rand got called up over the weekend. Like, how's that Gallo trade looking now? And it's like, again, it's a 40 and 16 team. Joey Gallo has been terrible. This team has a 1998 style record. I just can't possibly care. The, the worst guy on the roster has been unplayable. The package they surrendered to the Rangers for Gallo, you know, those guys are in the bigs now. That's good for them. 40 and 16 team. We have the ultimate retort. It's it's like 2018 with the Red Sox, where we're trying to pick holes in them, being like, best of luck with Stephen Wright as your sixth starter. And they're like, we could not possibly care less. That's what this all sounds like. So that's when you know you're in a good place. Yeah, people fishing for that still. Also, <clears throat> people still not understanding the premise of that deal. The premise of that deal was to get rid of prospects that – were either going to be lost in the Rule 5 draft or prospects that the Yankees had a lot of depth around them to surrender. So everybody, we went through it. It's on Yanks Go Yard. We dispelled all the haters, um, uh, the, their criticism. All of those got good for them. I hope they succeed with the Rangers. That'd be awesome. Uh, you don't want to make a trade and see all your former players suck. Um, you know, it'd be nice if Gallo was doing anything of note. He actually had a few moments over the last, you know, not not heating up by any means, but yeah, you get some production from him here and there. It's a positive. So best of luck to all those guys on the Rangers. Best of luck to all the haters still fishing for these, uh, these ways to call us out. Um, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, that dating back to that Oriole series, uh, May 25th uh, was that series finale where we um, capped it off with a victory from May 25th until Saturday, June 4th, which was a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 games. The Yankees gave up 12 total runs over that span. Um, so it's quite the opposite as it was last year. Last year we were simming games to the end because the Yankees couldn't score runs um, because opposing pitchings were bull- opposing pitchers were bulldozing the Yankees. Um, and while the Yankees weren't surrendering a ton of runs last year, you just knew, you felt a 3-0 lead for the opposition or a 4-2 lead for the opposition was game over. Now you have the best of both worlds here where we're, we're simming to the end of games because we know the Yankees are just buzzsawing through these innings. Um, and it has 2019 vibes because they're down. The Yankees are down two or three runs at any point, And it far from feels like the game's over. It doesn't matter if it's the seventh or eighth inning either. Um, we've seen various comebacks up until this point. Um, uh, most recently the Tigers, um, uh, this past Sunday, um, number of clutch hits, just getting guys on the base paths, putting pressure on, um, the opposing pitching staff, which is clearly inferior things that they weren't doing last year to take advantage of certain situations. So, um, there's very little to complain about right now. Um, we had the first bad, bad Nestor Cortez start last night against a first-place team um, that's been doing very – the Twins have been performing very well um, up until this point in the season, um, despite some – you know, Carlos Correa is not exactly having an all-star year. Um, they've they've had a lot of production coming from unexpected places. 
Um, and now they're in a position to take home the series tonight. Garrett Culver, Dylan Bundy. Um, and yeah, I, I, like you said, once when people are trying to figure out a way to bring your team down when they have a 40 and 16 record, you know, you have the upper hand in the conversation. So I don't, you can't, you can't even address it. The only reason we address it through writing content um, is to just make sure people are held accountable for bad, bad takes and bad, bad opinions. Last night was definitely the one. I mean, you're, you're right in that not only do they keep punching back, I will say they keep punching back immediately. Like, there's almost no delay. Like the, the, Especially, I think, of the Angels game with the you know, two-run single and Clay Holmes getting out of that bases loaded jam. Nobody's scoring that entire game. James and Tyone carrying a perfect game into the eighth inning, and then all of a sudden he surrenders a two-out run, and the Yankees go, all right, now we got to get into gear. We go seven scoreless. We do almost nothing. We can't, demers, we can't the bullpen. Uh, and then as soon as they need to, they spring into action. Same against the Tigers. I, I don't think – I mean, no rational Yankees fan is going to throw their TV through a wall for losing the final game of a three-game set to the Tigers after blowing a, an eighth-inning save, right? I mean, we, we'd be annoyed. love it. But they, they go from – you know, they're down 2 nothing in that game. Gallo ties it up. They go ahead 3-2 on the LeMahieu bases loaded walk. And then with two outs in the top of the eighth, uh, Baez comes through. Miggy comes through, and all of a sudden, it's 3-3, it's 4-3 Tigers, right? Yankees come right back, bottom half of that inning. It doesn't even take It doesn't even take to the Just go top of the eighth, we got punched great. Bottom of the eighth, we're going to go ahead and punch you right back. Top of the tenth, you know, the Tigers get the glorified ghost runner on. Don't score them. The Yankees go, that's our cue. We're going to win it right here. Like, how many times last year did you see the Yankees get bended with that situation? Specifically, the Rays game that Clint Frazier ended up walking off. But, you know, you, you struggle to the late innings, you get it to the ghost runner, and then miraculously you get out of the ghost runner inning. And fans at home like, all right, here's their chance. And then the Yankees somehow go down and can't get the runner in from second. And you're like, how do you possibly squander that chance after you've taken all the momentum? This year's Yankees get that bottom of the 10th inning runner on, and it's just single Rizzo, Donaldson, long sack fly, game over. Don't even leave a question about it. Just end it right there. That's what this team has been doing. The Twins are no slouches. Um, and again, you, you know, if you if you are able to pick and choose and draw out the schedule and someone tells you you're not allowed to win every day, of course, that's a fair rule. But you make me put a loss in there. I'm going to draw. I'm going to give you an eight one loss or a nine three loss. Yeah. I, I don't want to lose two one every day. I don't want to blow saves. Occasionally, you need to give the bullpen a day off. Nowadays, with Wandy Peralta and Miguel Castro getting elevated and Clark Schmidt doing high leverage stuff, uh, he was not great yesterday by any means. The innings, uh, but when you're dealing with that kind of thing, and Aroldis Chapman is throwing bullpen sessions, and Domingo Herman, I guess, is going to start a rehab session soon. Although I think he's going to get buried in AAA because I can't imagine using Domingo Herman for anything right now. But Chad Green's out for the year. Jonathan Loizaga apparently is uh, dealing with a family situation and may throw while dealing with that family situation, but is a ways away no matter how you diagnose it. That middle part of the bullpen is going to become all the more important. Ron Marinaccio looked great this week in the twin series. Uh, that was, I mean, both Thomas and myself were, were pretty jet lagged on, on Tuesday night into Wednesday. I decided six-game winning streak up 5-4 late against the Twins in a game that's going back and forth. I don't feel good about the way it looks. I think I'm going to take this to the bed in the top of the seventh. You know, wake up and see they lost. I could stomach that. If I, you know, if they win, I'll feel great, obviously. But I think I'm at the point where I can live. Wake up and see they extend not only one, but 10-4 and dominate the later ends. Like, that's what the 2022 Yankees do. The 2021 Yankees, I decided to go to sleep. I was during the two-hour Aroldis Chapman blown Grand Slam rain delay. 
because I said the same thing to myself. I said, I'm, I'm dead. They're either going to win this game where they have a four-run lead, or I'm not going to want to have watched the blown part of this game. And I said the same thing to myself this time, but what the Yankees do now is they basically they hold on, they hold on, and they extend leads. And, and Gary Sanchez comes up three times the chance to deliver decisive blows in that game, and the Yankees don't let him get the last laugh once. Now, the Yankees players love Gary Sanchez, but you have to admit that if he's the one to crank you in these games, you're not going to feel good about that as a fan. You don't want Gary Sanchez coming through in tie-breaking situations, in late and close scenarios. And, of course, there's one more opportunity tonight, but I'd vastly prefer to not see him do that. Uh, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that. The Twins are a tough challenge. Game one, the Yankees survived, and they took a lot of body blows in that one. Tyone wasn't really great either. First time in a long time. Cortez wasn't great yesterday. Up to ZRA nearly to two. Still below two, but right up to that borderline. Cole, Dylan Bundy tonight, one last chance. It would be great to take this series if they have to take a step back and lose two out of three to the Twins on the road. So be it, but you really want to take this one because the schedule does get much tougher. And all the Yankees have done for themselves is build that cushion. They're, they're seven up on the Rays. They're eight up on Toronto, right, entering yesterday's game. That, that's, that's pretty good. Toronto lost yesterday. They get the Cubs for three at home, day off, but then suddenly three against Tampa, go to Toronto for three, go to Tampa for three more, Houston for four, three games against Oakland at home, but then you go to Houston for a single game for some reason. Luckily, that's only one. Go to Cleveland for three, then Pittsburgh, and then at Boston. Cincy, Boston at home. It calms down a little bit. You, you know, It's really only the Tampa-Toronto-Tampa-Houston stretch that's legitimately crazy. Uh, luckily, only one of those is a four-game set. It, the league has been loving shoving these four-game sets in here lately. But still, that's 13 games against really top-tier competition. I think most people who've watched baseball this year – ranked the Yankees and Astros atop the American League yet again. It feels like a throwback to 2019 uh, with the Jays probably in that three spot and Tampa probably in that four spot. So if you're asking me personally, uh, you know, who can make a run this year, I, I would probably do Yankees and Astros in a tier, Blue Jays in their own tier, Rays, Twins, White Sox, Red Sox, all in a tier just below them. Uh, and then I don't think there's another competitive team in the American League, which is why the Red Sox are in my tier. Um, ordinarily, I would be saying that they haven't really played any – like over the last week, their seven-game winning streak. Have they done anything that's really impressed you? No. But is there anybody in the American League you take over them? The Angels have lost 14 games in a row. They'll never look worse, but they look terrible. The Guardians are roughly a 500. The Texas Rangers have surged to around 500. There's really no one else. So the, basically the argument is – can the Red Sox or White Sox get the last playoff spot right now? Or do the Twins collapse and give the White Sox the central? But you're facing, you know, the two, three, and four teams in a row as soon as this stretch ends after the Cubs series and the day off. So you're going to get you stayed as hot as you did because there's a good chance that you're going to be struggling to play 500 ball during that streak. And that has nothing to do with the Yankees' talent level. Has to do with the loss of bullpen pieces, has to do with the burnout. It just has to do with the schedule. When you cram all these great teams back-to-back with very few holes, it can be difficult to dominate a series. Maybe you take two out of three in one of them, then the next team sweeps you. You just don't know. So if you can tread water during that stretch, you're going to be okay based on the work you've already done. Yeah. Um, not really concerned about any of the competition, really. You know, they, they, send, they send the players out there they need to. 
that's going to be that. Um, no team has really – at this point, you're not scared of any team. The Yankee, the Angels were the supposed top competitors for the Yankees. They started 27-17. and 17. Funny enough how people are oh, on their way to a playoff spot. On their way to a playoff spot through 44 games of the season. Yes, that's usually how it works. You're less than a third away of the year. You are on your way to a playoff spot. Um, I thought Jeff Passon's suite was funny. He was like, yeah, first, you know, first time they were going to make the playoffs in so long. It's like they weren't close. All, you know, they weren't close at all. Um, it was like May 9th. Yeah, not close at all. Um, so, you know, the Rays have been good, but they haven't been – they haven't been super scary um, like they've been the last couple of years. Um, the Blue Jays have cracks. Um, Hinjin Ryu is now injured and could miss significant time. Um, they went on a little streak of their own Toronto, um, but we've seen them enough this year already to kind of just like, you know, you're just, you're, you're not entirely scared of them as you once were. They also and went a stretch of games. are homophobic, of course. What? Most of the Rays are homophobic, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job by those five assholes not wearing the pride the pride gear on uh Jason Adam. Uh, Jason Adam our oh, he was one of them. Idiot. Yeah, he's the guy who did the uh like he was the spokesman for the guys. Oh good. Yeah. You always need a spokesman for that. Fucking idiot. Um leader. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and the stretch that um Toronto won, you know, they they uh they took advantage of um, uh, they started the Angels losing streak um, right before that they they came to face the Yankees. Um, so the Angels tailspin began with Toronto, and then they faced the White Sox, who are beyond banged up right now. Um, I'm you know I'm not saying devalue those victories, but understand what the circumstances are, um, as we did when the Yankees kicked their ass too. The the, the White Sox are missing a lot of players right now. Um, and then, uh, they, they're losing, their winning streak eventually ended against the twins who, you know, scored a lot of runs in that series. So the starting pitching for Toronto on paper, very good so far, not exactly lights out lineup. Yes. Scoring runs, but clearly the Yankees pitching has enough, uh, to subdue them. Um, but speaking of the bullpen, you know, you want to talk about losses on the Yankees, the biggest losses on the Yankees have come in the bullpen. You saw Max Goodman's tweet. He laid out all of it. But we do have one surprise in there who we talked about earlier this year, um, and it was Zach Britton because we got a random update a couple weeks ago that he was throwing bullpen sessions, and he underwent Tommy John surgery in September. Um, We talked a lot this offseason. Is he going to be on the roster? Can the Yankees trade him and his salary elsewhere, attach a top prospect to relieve themselves of that money and upgrade in another capacity? Um, Because we're sitting there and we're saying – what is the point of keeping this guy? He's making $14 million. He just underwent reconstructive elbow surgery. He is not pitching for this team. And if he does, he'll be ready maybe by the end of September. And then he won't have enough time to work out the kinks. And then here are the playoffs. And are you actually going to use him as a bullpen weapon? Now we learned talking Yanks had a podcast uh, this week um, and mentioned on the broadcast for one of the games. uh, Yes. Was talking about how, Britain did not undergo the traditional like super invasive Tommy John. Yes. His UCL was worked on in the surgery. However, um, uh, it wasn't through the traditional means that keeps you out as a pitcher for at least a year. It's usually 12 to 18 months. You know, the most recent example that we can kind of allude to that is for a believer that is concerning was Tommy Canely, who 
underwent the surgery in late July of 2020 with the Yankees. And then he didn't get onto the mound until May of this year with, or late April this year with the Dodgers. And now he's back on the shelf with elbow soreness. So you see how this type of stuff goes, but um, we got an update from the broadcast from talking Yanks. And then they had Brian Hoke on the podcast who had a more detailed injury update about how um, Britain's surgery featured the use of medical tape. His UCL is taped together. Um, So apparently he got the edible burrito tape, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We don't know the exact um, details of what the tape is or what the tape entails. Um, All we do know is that apparently this procedure is believed to shave six months off the recovery period. Um, Britain is still quote a ways out. Um, uh, but they believe August he could be back, which gives him a couple of months to get back on track before the postseason. Um, the, it was a, a, a suture tape S U T U R E. I don't know how it's pronounced. I've never seen that before. Um, but apparently it expedites the process for the recovery period. And it makes sense for Britain. You look at Britain's career right now. He's got, he's in his age 34 season. He's going to be 35 in the off season. This is his final year with the Yankees. Um, do you want to undergo the most invasive form of reconstructive elbow surgery and not know really if you're going to return? Um, how much longer is his career going to last? How many more shots does he have a world series title? Um, he, I don't think he expected the Yankees to be at this position at this point, but you look at the Yankees situation heading into this year and you're like, all right, judge is a free agent. Got a lot of other guys hitting free agency. This is Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton's prime. It's kind of do or die. Like I want to be back for this to, you know, to play for this team while this window is apparently still open while we still have a top three player in the league and Aaron judge. We don't know if he's leaving or not. Um, so Brian Hope talked about how all those factors may have led to Britain just saying, Hey, let's try this out. Let's see, let's see what it does. Let's see what happens because, um, Britain also has a family. You don't know how much longer he wants to be in the game of baseball. He's had a very long and successful career up until this point. He can easily hang up his cleats and be remembered as one of the better relief pitchers of his generation. Um, so this procedure is, could be maybe a new way of pitchers coping with the the long and arduous rehab process that comes with Tommy John, um, where some guys are laid up close to two years. Um, we've seen, you know, we've only seen a handful of guys successfully rehab partially torn UCLs, Masahiro Tanaka being one of them. Um, but you have that ticking time bomb in the back of your head that's contributing to. Um, it, your mental stability. Is this going to go out at any time? How hard can I be throwing? How am I feeling? Um, now you have the best of both worlds where, you know, it's surgically repaired. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it might not be the best form of it because I don't know if anybody else has undergone this type of procedure. I, I don't know how new it is. It's very foreign to me and the manner in which it's been described hasn't been descriptive at all. Um, but you have to wonder because of how many guys, you know, Chad Green, one of them, entering free agency after needing Tommy John. Um, and there's plenty of other guys across the league that it's happened to. So uh, Zach Britton could be a, a, a form of guinea pig for this, and it could benefit the Yankees. However, I will say, disclaimer here, 
Um, the Yankees need to view a potential Britain return as a bonus and not as an integral addition to the bullpen like they've done in recent years with that bullshit where they're saying, oh, we're getting X, Y, and Z back from the injured list on August 1st. So that's like three marquee trade deadline acquisitions. No, um, this year you're having a lot of problems with the bullpen. Roldis Chapman is kind of who he is for the past almost two years now. Um, Jonathan Lewisago, we look as much as we loved him last year and how dominant he was, that year remains the outlier on the ledger of his career. Um, so we all wanted him as the, the, the closer in waiting, um, but an injury has set him back and we've seen, yeah, I think he was a Tommy John candidate earlier in his career, right? So he's already underwent the procedure once, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one, one good year as a reliever is simply not going to get the job done um, and then you have guys like Lucas Lickey. He's taken a he's taken a fairly big backslide. Um, Miguel Castro, solid but shaky. Um, Wandy Peralta has been good. Michael King has come back down to earth. Clark Schmidt, Clark Schmidt, and Ron Marinaccio, happy to have them here, but I don't know if those are guys you're going to really sit on and rely to get high leverage outs for the duration of the season. I love peppering them in there to get the experience, but. They're relatively raw, and especially a guy like Schmidt, this is not his familiar role. He's a starting pitcher. Um, And then you throw in Zach Britton, who looked awful last year with an injured slash slash surgically repaired elbow. He got bone chips removed last offseason, came back, was terrible. We don't know how much the UCL injury affected him throughout that, but you have to think coming back from surgery, maybe he's not going to be fully up to speed. Maybe it'll take longer then we expect he hasn't been really himself since 2020. We're now ha- uh, going to be halfway through 2022. Um, so it's it's been a long time. So I, 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 it'd be great to have Zach Britton back in the bullpen. I'm not expecting him to be 2018 Zach Britton. Um, I'm not expecting him to be a main contributor. I'm expecting him to be a bonus where, hey, if he's performing, great. We got another high leverage guy for maybe innings seven, eight, and nine, depending on how he, he's performing. Right now, he's just another guy on the mend who you can hopefully be optimistic about, but cannot actually bake into your projections and plans. At this point, I can't imagine trusting Zach Britton in, in September, especially over like Wandy Peralta. Yeah. Somebody who you don't want to think of as a high leverage option necessarily because I don't honestly know why, but every time he comes in, he gets the job done typically at, at the same rate or better than these other Lefty relievers, especially, I'd rather see him in a game than Miguel Castro. I'm high on Miguel Castro. I, I like him. I like his electricity. But sometimes he just doesn't know where the ball is going. I never feel that way with Juan Peralta. I feel like either he, either he's perfectly managing soft contact, or if he's not, he can figure it out by the end of his – like you don't know what he is from the first at-bat. Miguel Castro, I know what he is from the first at-bat. Yeah. I know what he is from the first at-bat. So – you know, th- things could easily change between early June and early September. But at this moment, I would rather see Wandy just continue to get high leverage opportunities. I, Britain would have to show me a lot for me to suddenly move him up the trust tree, especially because he wasn't good last, last year and not his fault. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances. I understand why he'd want to get the elbow tape and Chad Green would want to go the traditional route, even yeah. though he's approaching free agency. He's, mu- he's much younger. He's got much more of a career ahead of him. And we're seeing guys like Tommy Canely get the two-year pillow deal anyway with big teams. You know, it mm-hmm. hasn't really stopped them from getting paid. They're probably making a little bit less than they would, but Canely's on the 60-day now, so it didn't exactly work out for him. But 
guys like Canley are getting paid by the Dodgers despite having to miss a full year. Chad Green's not pitching next year in all likelihood. Mm, he'll be back in August, maybe, maybe September. But he's going to get paid commensurate with the two year. Like some of that money's going to get bumped into year one. Chad Green will get paid. But Zach Britton, really, this is a last ditch attempt. And if it doesn't work, you might not see him pitch again because he is a tenured MLB veteran. He's 35, got a family, advocate for players' rights, has accomplished plenty in his career. You know, we'll see how he bounces back. But you're right. It's a bonus. It's nothing more than that. It's, it's kind of wild to be learning all of this about his elbow procedure so late in the game, though. I mean, I guess I understand why they didn't want to tell us earlier that he was getting taped up. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done but also not sure why. I don't really even understand that. I would have liked to have known that. Um, would have made fans understand more, too, why he wasn't DFA. Or, yeah. or um, I thought he was an easy candidate to shuck off the 40-man, and apparently not at all. Reasons unknown. Now, talk about 40-man fodder and, and candidates who may be gone sooner rather than later. Miguel Andujar, uh, fans spent a lot of time trying to math out how to keep Miguel Andujar once Giancarlo Stanton and the lot came back. Oh, and Loisaga did have Tommy John, by the way, uh, which actually in like 2016, 2017, yeah. which does make me a little bit more you know, enthusiastic about his future. I kind of thought he was somebody who was a significant Tommy John risk, quite frankly. Um, and he's not. You know, he's a partial risk. You could always have it twice. I don't think you'd ever have it three times. But 
had it already. So that's that's good to know for those of us who are looking out there. Anyway, Miguel Andujar was the obvious odd man out for Stanton. Tim LaCastro can't even get back on the big league roster, and we saw how impactful he was early in the season when the Yankees were rattling off wins. And Duhar felt like he had turned a corner during Stanton's absence. Uh, then again, you actually check the numbers, 74 OPS plus is not impressive at all. 279 OBP with the 268 batting average. He does not walk. Now, he was positive war, 0.2 during his 41 at-bats, 268 average, put bat on ball, fist pump coming around third on the Rizzo two-run single uh, the night before. He was demoted after the whomping of the Tigers on, on Friday night. He was demoted that Saturday afternoon. And I think we all tried to math out a way to keep him, knowing full well that there wasn't really a way to do that. And it turned out that the Yankees saw the picture the same way, crystal clear, demoted him ahead of Stanton's return, and scorched earth. Um, and again, fans are, are likely to defend him considering they are sad that his career did not pan out the way they wanted it to. After 2018, rookie of the year contender, 2019 tears his shoulder up doing almost nothing and can't come back as Gio Urshela steals his spot out for the year. 2020 comes back without a position, up and down. 2021, up and down. You can't find a spot. Last year, by the way, he was terrible. This year, we feel like he's making more contact and hitting better. Last year, he hit 253 with six homers in a year where, if you asked me, I would say he was dreadful. And he had an 82 OPS plus this year, 74 in only 12 games in limited time. But he played 45 games last year, 12 games this year, and was worse in the limited sample size this year. We want him to be better, but the numbers don't bear it out. When he was demoted, he said, that's it. Trade me. Not coming back to the Yankees. Trade me. Didn't report to AAA between Saturday and Wednesday. He finally is there now, so perhaps things have calmed down a little bit. This is not the first trade request we've heard from Miguel Andujar either. He already went through this. Uh, his agent leaked some stuff that he was very dissatisfied a few years back with the constant shuttling to AAA. Sad but true, he has not really shown what the Yankees need to see out of him to make him a part of the future since 2018. Even this year, still does not show. The problem is the trade value is not there. Everybody else sees these numbers too. People aren't exactly clamoring to trade real assets for a guy who hits 250, 260 with some power, no patience, and very limited defensive value, even though he did seem to be hustling a little more out in left field and, and seemed to be getting the hang of that a little bit. That being said, Thomas, do his next at-bats at the big league level come with another team or come with the Yankees? What do you think? I really don't know. Um, this is this is so tough because if I'm Miguel Andujar, I'm asking for a trade too. Uh, he's a guy at this point who needs regular reps and he's not getting them, and it's understandable why he's not getting them. But there are plenty of other teams out there who might be intrigued by what he could bring to the table. Um, this was a guy who was a runner-up rookie of the year finisher back in 2018. Um, he's been jerked around because his, because of an injury and then his job got stolen. Um, more consistent playing time could awaken his bat. It's one of the hardest things to do probably in all of sports is be a part-time Major League Baseball player without a true skill. I'm not, for people who are pure power hitters, for people who are – super fast for people who um, are defensive specialists. Like that's different. You, you have one trade that is valued by a certain team and that's how you're utilized. And that's how you can kind of make it work. Miguel Andujar doesn't really have any of those things. He has a promising bat based on what we saw once upon a time 
Um, he was never really good at defense, but now he can kind of play multiple positions. Um, he's not exactly a speed demon, but he can make some noise on the base paths when, when, you know, the situation calls for it. Um, but yeah, if I'm him, you look at this from both perspectives. If you're him, you're like, dude, I need playing time. Like I'm not going to get better. I'm still going to be kind of mired in mediocrity. If this is the situation, I'm also, you know, I have a lot of major league experience. There's no reason I, I should be hanging out in AAA. and I'm watching Joey Gallo in front of me, who is bad. Um, you know, you're watching Joey Gallo strike out time after time, not really offer any value on defense unless he's in right field, which is Stanton's uh, position of preference and Aaron Judge's position of preference. So, like, sorry, dude, you're the last guy. You're, you're the odd man out there. We're not making more reps in right field for you. Um, and it's frustrating because Miguel Andujar also, had, like, got, like, three clutch hits over the span with he, when he was with the Yankees. So, once again, you look at the numbers and you're like – they kind of suck. Wow. And then you look back and you're like, oh, there were actually a few memorable moments where Miguel Andujar put the ball in play. Miguel Andujar hit a sack fly to extend the Yankees lead. Miguel Andujar got the running scored um, on occasion with a rip into the gap. So uh, it's, it, it's, this is not as laid out as clear as it could be. But then on the flip side, you look at Miguel Andujar and just, you know, not productive enough from that part-time standpoint for the Yankees to – for anyone to truly defend wanting to be traded, I think the answer here is just moving on. Why Why create more internal drama than you need to? We already had enough shit with the Do- Josh Donaldson nonsense. Um, we've already been down this road with Andujar requesting a trade. Then he changes his agent. Then he requests a trade again because he got demoted. Um, so, you know, he's clearly working hard. I thought his improvements in the outfield from last year to this year have been considerable. Um, once again, being at doing what he's being asked to do, um, he got moved off third base because of an injury and because of somebody performing out of this world in Gio Urshela, um, back in 2019 and in 2020. So there was really nothing the Yankees could do about that. Um, but Miguel Andujar suffered as a result, um, not really through any of, uh, fault of his own. Um, I, I, it's tough because you have the two differing perspectives there, but, if I were to, if I were in charge here and I were to do something, I would just put him in a better situation. Um, the Yankees have plenty of other prospects that they can bring up at any point in time to fill such gaps. Um, I don't think Miguel Andujar is essential to the fabric of this team, um, and especially if he doesn't want to be here. Why would you want him here? Not saying, "Oh, kick this, get this guy out of here." He's being a he's being a sore sport, but it's just like if he doesn't want to be here, then give him. Give him a reason to want to be somewhere else. You know, it's his life too. Um, he's trying to make an impact. Why keep a guy on the roster who doesn't? Uh, you get, he does. He probably doesn't want to play the outfield. He probably wants to play his natural position of third base. Um, and he wants everyday at bats. The Yankees can't offer that. What are you going to hang on to a guy that you can't offer the opportunity to? I don't know. I think he should be out. I don't know where he goes. Um, and this, it's tough because what is the trade value here? Yeah, there, there is none. Um, I don't know what you get in return outside of just having this be a good faith thing and be like, look, sorry, it didn't work out. Here's a situation where you can hopefully succeed. Best of luck. Enjoy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great guy to have at AAA if he's willing to do that. But Miguel Andujar wants to put himself in a good position to maybe make some money in free agency, which is a couple of years away for him. So he's got to log at bats. He's got to, put that time in on the field and the Yankees just have too many players to make that a reality for him. 
That's why I sadly don't think they're getting it done, though. I I value culture, and, and you and I both value culture, but simple fact is trade value is not there. Yeah, they're, they're not getting anything. Look at what they got for Luke Voigt, who, yep. who's very obviously a better player than Miguel Andujar. One really low-level prospect. This is a you know 2020 home run leader in a shortened season. They got next to nothing for him. Uh, somehow they were able to spin Hoy Park into Clay Holmes last year. And that's sort of what everybody cites here. But Hoy Park was a complete unknown, and Clay Holmes was dreadful. So the Pirates let Clay Holmes get out from under their thumb for the prospect and and the possibility of Hoy Park. We already know what Miguel Andujar is. He's going to max out at 270, but he's going to give you very little else. Some power, no on base. He's probably not. He has to hit 300 to get that on base over 300. He walked like twice at the big league level this year. You combine that with the fact that there's nobody at AAA that I trust as much as him. It's it's Esteban Florial who's gotten chance after chance, big, long, loping swing. Even when he's red hot, a AAA comes up, can't get the job done. And Duhar, I at least trust to, like you said, put bat on ball, make hard contact, sack fly is the name of his game, grounders to the right place. He's a big league ball player for sure. I think the Yankees are going to do the rude calculation and realize that he does not have real trade value and they do not have anyone at AAA they're confident in. And the moment you get, other than Tim LaCastro, who I do believe is probably the next, I don't think they're going to call in Duhar up again the next time they need to, probably be LaCastro. But they're, they're going to do the calculus. And, you know, Aaron Judge, when he misses games, it's for freak purposes. Giancarlo Stanton injured all the time, just injured, terrible in the outfield yesterday, maybe need some time off. Aaron Hicks. Injury risk constantly struggling. Joey Gallo is Joey Gallo. They're going to need outfield insurance at some point. They're going to need to make a move at the deadline. But until they do, I don't think they're letting Andujar out of their sights. Maybe they attach Andujar to some bigger deadline deal. But I don't think he's getting out of there that soon. I think he's going to have to wait until yeah. July before there's even a chance that they make that move. So I do think his next major league at-bats will be with the Yankees at some point during that July stretch. But we will have to wait and see, I guess. And, you know, in all honesty, I don't even know why you keep making roster moves. The Yankees should probably stand pat at the trade deadline. Uh, if maybe Zach Britton comes back, he's a major player to add, add anything, even if someone – you know why? Because the Boston Red Sox are going to win the World Series this year. So there's really no point in continuing to compete. I think the Yankees should keep rolling. I mean, keep showing up every day, right? Keep keep looking, you know, your best, looking sharp, wearing those uh, snappy outfits. But there's no need to really worry about the postseason. The Boston Red Sox are going to make a world series from the six seed, five seed, four seed, or, or they ultimately win the division because MLB released their World Series logo on Wednesday, and it's got that little cute pair of flags, the pennants that are on top of each other, you know, one on top, one on the bottom like this. Um, we've seen that in 2004. 2007 and 2013. Those are the Ooh. only times that MLB has ever used those pennants in the World Series logo. The Red Sox won all three of those World Series. In 2018, they also did have the pennants. It was two little flapping pennants on the side. Red Sox won the World Series again. 2015, now people who don't subscribe to this theory, um, and you know what, I call those people uh, morons, brain-dead morons, We'll try to tell you that the 2015 logo had the flags. Those people are beyond brain dead. It's like a little ribbon. It, they're not flags. It, the, the World Series square is surrounded by a little ribbon. If you look at that little ribbon and tell me it's flags, 
your brain straight up leaking out of your ear hole. Like I, I legitimately don't know how to interact with these people. It's so much political divide these days. I do try to keep an open mind, but if you think the 2015 logo is flags and not a ribbon, you should be sent to jail. Now the 2009 <laughs> logo has something between flags and a ribbon. It kind of looks like the 2018 logo. So if you want to tell me the Yankees won in 09 with flags, like if we count 2018 as flags, you got to count 20, 2009 as flags. I actually hear you people. I think you people are making a good point. So that's why I'm going to double down on the flags that are resting on top of each other. Pennants. 04, 07, 13. Red Sox go three for three, clean sweep. Last year, they put these stupid pennants in the ALDS logo and ALCS logo and took them out for the World Series logo. Why? No reason other than to tell us they were going to stop rigging the playoffs for the Red Sox once they hit the ALCS. I don't see any other reason why they would have done that. The MLB never makes a mid-playoff pivot with the logo. Um, and so I was telling people that all year. I was saying, you know, the Red Sox are hot. They're winning crazy games. They're making crazy comebacks. They're going to lose in the ALCS, though. People are going, no, no, no. It's like they're obviously good. Or no, no, they're obviously bad. They're, they're going to choke. They're not going to win the East. The Rays are better than they are. Look at the flags. And then again, upset the Rays in the DS. Go to the CS. The world the number one impediment to the Red Sox making the World Series was the flags being removed from the logo. They take a 2-1 lead. They pound the Astros. You go, they're not going to blow this. We've seen the Red Sox in the playoffs enough to know they're probably going to win this series in five, six maximum. Then they lose games four, five, and six. The flags. Unfortunately, that was great evidence for the flags last year. It makes it all the worse this year to see the fucking flags in the thing. And also... MLB doesn't release the playoff bracket graphic until after the Red Sox get back to 500 and sneak into the sixth spot. Don't think I didn't notice that. Where was the playoff bracket in, in May? The Red Sox were 14 and 22. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used an update. We got a new system. I would love to know where the teams stack out. No, they, they decided to just keep it withheld. Then as soon as the Red Sox were 500, they're like, oh, oh, by the way, here's what the playoff bracket looks like. And we're going to put the Red Sox in the World Series. How do you like that? Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. They've barely been part of the narrative for the first two plus months of the season. They haven't really mattered at all. They've either been way over 500 or roughly league average, but unfortunately they're going to win the world series. So I don't really know what else to tell you. Oh, I can't even, I can't even stomach this. Um, they're, they're plus 6,000 right now though. So if you want to be either throw money in the trash to make yourself feel better or get paid when the Red Sox follow the flags, Put money, put money on that, because uh, I mean, it's I, I'm not even a gambler, but like the odds are insane, and and the league is rigged this year. So why, why wouldn't you take advantage? <laughs> two seven game win streaks for the Red Sox, or wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. They have a six game win streak and a seven game win streak, which is essentially all that separates them from complete dog shit this year. Yeah, um, yes. and those win streaks came against. Uh, it was bookended with the white the they, they 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 somehow beat Houston in that series. I don't know how yeah. they did that, but they cleaned up against a really struggling Seattle team at the time who Seattle might just might not be good either. Um, and now their recent streak has come against Cincinnati, which is where it began, but they split that two game set. They beat up on Oakland, who's one of the worst teams in the league and then they have continued to feast on the angels who are have now lost 12 in a row. 13 14. 14. Sorry. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, that's currently the worst team in MLB. 
um, and the fans every day. It's they're they're either not paying attention because baseball baseball doesn't matter when the Red Sox suck or the Red Sox are back. Um, but you know, 2013 was an inexplicably disgusting Red Sox team to win a World Series. One of the worst World Series rosters. I mean, it has to be in history. Yeah, at least modern history. Sure. Um, and you look at this team and you look at who's running it. It's Heim Bloom. He was clearly brought in to um, champion a new philosophy, uh, which has been evident with the Mookie Betts trade, which has been evident with contract extension talks with two of their top players right now in Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. Um, and if they're not – I mean, just don't let Heim Bloom find out about this theory because if the Red Sox are 10 games out by the trade deadline, they have a lot of good pieces to sell. Maybe you sell Bogarts. I don't think that they would do that. That would kind of be insane, um, especially if they don't want to give themselves a chance to re-sign him. Um, but you look at the rest of the roster, you have Kike Hernandez, who would be valued by most contenders because of his yeah. versatility. And he's one of the most clutch postseason batters of the last 10 years. Um, you have Jackie Bradley Jr., who would be a tremendous defensive asset to a lot of teams out there with struggling um, uh, outfields. You have J.D. Martinez, who is somehow batting 353 this year. He only has five home runs, but he has 65 total hits. 20 of those are doubles. Um, he's been on another planet. He's OPSing, o- OPSing 962. And, uh, he has a 169 OPS+. plus. Um, you have Christian Vasquez, who's also on a contract year, who's starting some games at first base. You have the catcher first base versatility, also doing well for himself, hitting 285 with a 723 OPS, which is not bad at all. Um, and then you look at the pitching staff. You have Nathan Ivaldi, who's on an expiring contract, which who I don't think is going to be re-signed. Um, and there's nobody else there. Um, unless you want to sell Michael Waka high at the deadline for some team that wants a starter. He's only on a one-year deal. Um, so there are so many assets here for Heim Bloom to sell to probably go more in line with his version of building this Red Sox team, uh, which will not be through mega contracts. It might be through one or two mega contracts, and then the rest will be Rays-esque acquisitions. So um, I think... We just need to keep this theory away from him because if there's any evidence of the Red Sox, you know, if they're treading water come the end of July, um, it'd be a hard sell for um, uh, just the front office to be like, oh, yeah, well, I know that playoffs are expanded, but you'll get the Astros who just simply don't go away. Um, You'll get the Yankees who are who clearly were way better than they should have been last year. And you and the Red Sox obviously know at this point that they definitely overachieved last year. Um, you have the Blue Jays who are definitely better. Um, you have the Twins who are definitely better. You have the White Sox who at full strength are definitely better. Um, so, I mean, what, how much of a gamble do you want to take when you have a – I'm not – I never endorse selling. Um, but when you have a situation like this where there's so many guys on expiring contracts – um, there's so many guys who clearly just aren't going to return because that's just the natural order of things. Sometimes um, you got to take advantage when you can and to believe that you're going to go all the way um, when you've been performing like this for the first two months, like these types of performances from the Red Sox, this is just not indicative of a championship squad. I could be wrong in the world series logo theory could live on, 
Um, but you know, you just, the type of futility that you've seen and the frustration you've seen from the fan bases, a lot of the stuff we were complaining about last year as Yankees fans. Um, and we very much knew they were not going to win. Uh, that, that was the, that was the prevailing feeling throughout the entire season. So I think logic is going to reign supreme in the Red Sox front office, um, as opposed to, you know, optimism and hope, uh, for a team of destiny to potentially make a run, even with the expanded playoffs. So, um, I don't really care, actually, if Hein Bloom finds out about the theory. He doesn't think like that. He's just a human computer who's ready to plug and place pieces. Um, and I think that's just, that's the, the the Red Sox are going to be the Red Sox are going to be stuck in that tough place if they're not you know if they're not within five games at the trade deadline. I don't know how much how many more risks they can take for just this year alone. It would be very funny if he completely changed his ethos based on the flags, though. That that if it was all covert operation, trying to get Bloom to pivot quickly, that it'd be interesting. Um, you're right, Hernandez and Evaldi are are like Huge. such prime trade pieces right now that I don't. I, and I know he's smart enough not to get distracted by that stuff, but I, I bet he's secretly hoping they sort of tread water and can get into that sixth spot without yeah. those guys. Because Chris Sale's coming back, Paxton. It's, I mean, we know James Paxton. He never comes back, but he's supposedly coming back. You move Garrett Whitlock back to the bullpen. You could certainly trade Evaldi, although it's a lot like the Mariners uh, trading Kendall Graveman in the middle of their run last year, yeah. and, and then them saying, you know, management respect us. Management kind of being like, all right, why don't you go? Why don't you go show us what you're made of? And then like they go on a run anyway. I think the Red Sox could do that too. I, I think Bloom knows his guys better than that. I, I, but Evaldi and, and Hernandez such great pieces at this point in time uh, i don't know how you can pass up trading those guys if you're still treading water now if they go on a huge run then obviously things change a little bit but yeah. if you're still around 500 or a little below prime prime pieces that is it for this edition of the inks go yard podcast make sure you people out there you can find us on apple podcast google podcast spotify we're there uh, again anywhere that you get your podcast you'll probably be able to find us you can also find us live on youtube Two o'clock Mondays and Thursdays. We'll be back to the normal schedule uh, coming up this week. That's where you'll find us. Uh, we'll be we'll be here talking sports for about an hour. So please check in. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante. Where exactly can the people find you, folks? I'm at Tom, uh, Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, you can also find Adam and I um, in our bylines at YanksGoYard.com. Tons of content there. We're having a good time. Talk to us on the official YanksGoYard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. Um. Yeah. Have a good weekend. We're returning home to face the Cubbies. Uh, should be fun. A couple of trade candidates we should be eyeing on that Chicago team is if if they're not meeting expectations. Um. So if you're heading to the stadium or you're just going to watch all the games this weekend, keep an eye out for um, a number of players on that team who could be potential um, acquisitions for the Yankees uh, later in July. Um. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the weather. Let's go, baby. Let's go, Yanks. Let's go Yanks. Never ends. Cubs, what a fun matchup. You're not having fun this weekend when you ever having fun. The Yankees are 40 and 16. The Chicago Cubs are coming to the Yankee Stadium. Get your Andy Pettit bobbleheads on Friday night, uh, but don't get there too early. Let me get there ahead of you, and then you can come behind me in line. We'll see you on Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.